We are uh, in the book of Ephesians, and um, the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to a church at Ephesus. Paul had spent a couple of years at the church at Ephesus, and then um, he had left, continued on his journey. He ended up in prison, and while he was in prison, he wrote a number of the books of the New Testament. One of those is the book of Ephesians. It had been, from the time that Paul had visited Ephesus to the time he wrote this book, is about four years. So he's had about four years that he hasn't been in touch with this church, or he's heard things about them, but he's now writing to them to encourage them. And so we're diving into it. We're just going to go verse by verse. I ran into somebody who had visited here uh, about a month ago, and they said, so you're still in Ephesians? I said, said, we'll be in Ephesians till fall. Uh, he said, yeah, you do go pretty thoroughly and slowly through it. I said, yep, we do. Uh, and so, you know, you can come back in a couple months and we'll still be here. So anyway, Ephesians, and hopefully not in Ephesians chapter 1. That's where we are right now. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, what's unique about Ephesians chapter 1 is uh, verses 4 through 13. Uh, those nine verses in there actually, in, when it was originally written, it was one sentence long. And um, it talks about an awful lot of stuff in there. And he talks about, and he's trying to establish for these people the role that God has played in their salvation. And so he spends the first part of it talking about God's role. And it's the idea that God blessed you. It's the idea that God chose you and that God adopted you. Then he goes to the role of Jesus Christ in your salvation. He talks about the idea that Jesus Christ redeemed you. Um, that he forgave you, and that he pours his grace upon you continually. And then last week we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit helps you to understand the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit seals you. He makes you his own. And so um, this morning we're going to pick it up, and, and we're just going to walk through it phrase by phrase. So here it goes, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting uh, in verse uh, 14. All right, here's what it says, or 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So that's the only place we're going to go today. So here we go. Let's walk through. Therefore. It's a simple word, but you have to understand, okay, anytime you ever see therefore in the Bible, you have to ask this question, why is it there? Okay? And the reason is, what Paul is saying is, therefore, he's talking about the first nine verses that we've been talking about. Paul says, okay, look, God has chosen you. God has adopted you. God has blessed you. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Jesus Christ has redeemed you. Jesus Christ has poured his, his grace upon you. The Holy Spirit has sealed you. The Holy Spirit has helped you understand the word of God. Therefore, because of all of that, he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, he said, You know what? He said, four years after I've been there, he said, I still hear about your faith. I hear about the fact that you didn't just simply hear what I said, but you put your faith and trust in Christ. You had a personal relationship with him. It is a real and genuine faith. And it's interesting. You know how you know it's a real and genuine faith? 
Look at what he says. Your love for all the saints. See, here's one of the things that you're going to find over and over again in Scripture. The, a love for God and a love for people are the same. In fact, in 1 John, which is a book written to, to let you know for sure whether or not you're a Christian. He says, listen to 1 John, uh, 1 John says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. First John, when John writes it, he's saying, look, you want to know one of the ways that you can know whether or not you're a Christian? How do you look at other people? Because a love for God, think about it for a minute, love for God, what's the most important thing for God? People. I mean, Jesus Christ came for people. So therefore, love for God, love for people, they're linked together. And he says, look, he says, and your love for all the saints. By the way, those of you who have been a Christian for a while, you remember when Book of Revelation, which is going to be probably another 30, 40 years after this or so? What happens to the, book, to the church at Ephesus in the Book of Revelation? I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. So this church is able to go from early in its, in its beginning where there's a love that's associated with it. By the time we get to the book of Revelation, which is written about 90 A.D., they've lost it. They've drifted away from it. It's been able to go that quickly. And so that's that. Paul writes to them and he says, um, your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you. Now, time out for a minute. Paul is saying here, I am sitting here giving thanks for you. But let's ask ourselves for a moment, where's Paul? He's in prison. For something he really didn't, accused of something he didn't do. And yet, Paul doesn't say, because you know, I think in 2018, if this was us right now, here's what we'd say. I'm writing to you, shackled here in prison, or in home prison here, and I want you to know how hard it is for me right now, because I'm going through this really hard time, and I need you to pray for me. That's what he says. He says, I'm here praying for you. It's not about me, it's about you. I'm here right now because I'm burdened for you, and I have some things that I really want for you. And that, 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 that's an interesting concept because he says, I'm praying for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I'm constantly thinking about you guys, not my situation and circumstances. There's something to be said for that. See, I think sometimes in America, the reality of it is our prayers are so shallow because they're always about us. I mean, you think about it for a minute. You know, your prayer life this week, how many of those things on that list are about you? Paul here is in prison, and what's he saying? He said, I'm praying for you. And notice what he says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about that for a second. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God, right? The God of God. See, what Paul's doing here, and this is important. He is saying, he is focusing on the humanity of Christ, and here's what he's saying. That when Jesus Christ was here, what did Jesus Christ do? He was constantly trying to do the will of God, right? Is that not what he prays in the garden? Father, not my will, but yours to be done. 
constantly. He's, and, and Paul here focuses, he says, you know what? In the same way that Jesus Christ wanted to glorify God, wanted to do the Father's will. So my prayer for you is that you'll do God's will. Is that you'll do what God wants you to do in your life. You won't live your life for yourself. That you'll make it about God and not you. And notice what he goes on to say. He goes on to say, the Father of glory. Again, two concepts that don't go together. Father has the idea of intimacy, closeness. Glory has the idea of distant and awesome. And he, Paul brings those two together and he says, you've got to understand, your God is not distant and awesome. He is, but he's your father. There's that intimacy. And you need to understand, if you're in the first century and you're surrounded in a world where it's all about the gods who are angry at you, and every time you're trying to appease, everybody around you is trying to appease the gods. Like, you know, for instance, if we were in first century right now, right now, you know, all the farmers would be trying to appease the crop gods. Really? Because, I mean, you know, or the sun god. Because the sun god has just been horrendously hot this time of year. And so we would be making sacrifices to the sun god so that he would let up on the heat. And then we'd be making sacrifices to the rain god that he would give us more rain or not too much rain. And so we'd constantly be going from this temple to that temple to make that God happy so that the circumstances would change and, and, and all of this because the gods are angry at us and we have to appeal to the gods. And they would walk into these temples, these lavish places with all kinds of uh, uh, beauty and everything else because you were not, in fact, in some cases, you as a, as, a, as a normal person couldn't go into the temple. You would have to go to the priest who would go to the temple for you. And Paul says, you, you get to go, the God of our Father of glory. He's your Father. He's there, he said, the role that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had in your salvation. The glory, you have that intimate relationship with that incredibly glorious God that, although maybe look at a distance, you can get up close to because he's your Father. And then he goes on to say this, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul said, you know what, here's what I want for you. And we're going to get into this next week when he's going to actually list out all of a number of specific things that he's going to ask for them to understand. But here he says, I want you to give you the spirit of revelation, of wisdom and revelation. It's the idea of this. It's what he just talked about with the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit seals you and the Holy Spirit allows you to understand his word because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And Paul says, I want you to have wisdom and revelation. I want you to be able to take the word of God and bring it and make it a part of your life. I want you to have wisdom that when you, sit, when you come up against a situation, you know what the right decision is. I don't want you to be shaped by the culture of the day and all the stuff that's going on. I want you to be able to follow that spirit of wisdom and understanding so you know what decision honors God. And he goes on to say this. Um, in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. A uh, number of translations have that phrase this way, the eyes of your heart may be opened. And that's a really, num- there's a whole bunch of odd little connections in this thing. Um, let me help you, let me, let, let's go back a little bit. In this culture, heart does not mean what heart means to us, okay? Um, let, me, let, me help, let me help you a little bit. 
in the, in the first century, okay, heart meant head. What we consider our heart, so in other words, if I say, you know, well, you know, my heart's telling me I should do this. If you were in the first century, you would have said, my intestines are telling me to do this. Because you're, the seed of your feeling and your emotions was your gut, it was your intestine. That's why sometimes at King James you'll see bowels of compassion. It's the idea that your bowels, your, 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 we would say heart, but they would say bowels. So when we talk about heart and think of emotions, in the Bible when it talks about heart, it's talking about your head. It's talking about your thinking. And Paul is saying, look, that the, the eyes of your understanding, that, that, and think about it for a minute. So he's connecting eyes and, and, and thinking together. Because the idea here is this. Your eyes show enlightenment. Your eyes give you perception. Your eyes give you um, a perspective. And Paul says, here's what I want for you. He says, I want God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to open your heart and to open your mind so that you can see things the way God sees them. My prayer for you is that you would start to understand and comprehend all that God has done for you. He's already listed it, that God chose you, God blessed you, God adopted you, Jesus Christ forgave you, Jesus Christ redeemed you, Jesus Christ pours out his grace upon you, the Holy Spirit helps you to understand the word of God, the Holy Spirit helps you to, um, seals you so that you know that you're his child, and he says, and all of that, I want you to really understand it and apply it. That's my prayer for you. I want you to take the word of God and make it real in your life. And he goes on to say, so that you can be enlightened, so that you can step back and as you look at life, you know how to handle the things that come in your life. So, with that in mind, let's talk about some things for us this week. And here we go. Here's the first one. The first thing is this. Paul wants these people to have a genuine, close understanding and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's important. We talk a lot about a personal relationship with Christ. And, 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 and when we say that, what we're talking about is the fact that you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That you come to a point where you ask God to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, to be the one that you are trusting for your salvation. We talk about that. Paul says, I want you to have that, but I want it to go much deeper than that. I want it to be a real personal relationship. So think about it in terms of marriage, okay? Um, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, that's kind of like the marriage ceremony. After that is, is, is the reality of your marriage. So when I proposed to my wife and she said yes and we got married, we had a marriage ceremony where I said, I love you. Now, can you imagine me looking at her going, okay, babe, now we got that done. Check back in with me if you've got any problems over the next couple of years. You know, you got some marriage. You, exactly. See? Because what does a marriage take? A marriage takes, a good, solid, healthy marriage takes an investment. If you haven't figured this out, it's expensive being married. Okay? I mean, it gets, it gets expensive, you know? Um... You know, and, and, and so there's an investment. There's an investment of time. It's not about what I want to do anymore. It's about what we need to do. It is intentional. This is what gets a lot of marriages in trouble. What happens? They get married and they, 
this is crazy to me. They spend all this time dating and, and, and trying to do nice things for the other person and outdo them. And, oh, I love you. And this is how much I love you. And, oh, I love flowers. And then you get married. Like, done. And then they wonder, why don't we have a great marriage? What happened? Because at some point you stop being intentional about your marriage. At some point you stop making the effort. And so when you stop making the effort, what happens? Naturally, you start drifting apart. Because a good, solid marriage takes an investment, and it takes a commitment, and it takes an, 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 an intentional effort to meet the needs of your spouse. A Christian walk is the same way. It's not just simply putting my faith and trust in Christ and then going, okay, God, I'll call you when I need you. It's intentionally investing time. It's intentionally investing effort. It's intentionally learning the word of God as I grow so that I build that intimacy and that relationship with God. It's interesting. You know, there's all kinds of articles out there about marriage and sex and all this kind of thing. You know what they've really found? It's not about the physical aspect of, of, of that. What people are really longing for is intimacy, connectedness. That's what they want. You know what God wants from you? Intimacy, connectedness. God wants you to have that investment of time where you get to know him. And you take your Bible and you start to learn it and you start to read it and you start to embrace it and you start to put all of those things together. That's what he wants from all of us. And and it's so because I think about it for a minute. If I spend intentional time with my wife and I work on our relationship, here's a question. Do I trust her? Yeah. Why? Because we've built that relationship. Am I thankful and grateful for her? Yeah. You betcha. What happens if I don't invest my time in that relationship? Then I start to distrust, right? Then I start to become ungrateful, right? I start going, you know what? I could be in a better situation with a better person. Why? Because I've stopped doing those things. For some of you, you want to know why you're having such a struggle in your Christian walk right now? Because you've stopped building the intimacy with God, so you don't trust him anymore. You're not sure he has your best interest in mind. You're not grateful. You know why? Because, oh, I know Dave asked me if he could leave it up here. Here it is. This is heavier than it looks. All right. You know why? Because your burden box in your world is that size. And your blessing box has got like one of these in it. Because all you're focusing on is your burdens. Why? Because you have not developed an intimacy with God. It's like my wife. When my, in a situation with my wife, when, when we're invested in each other and we're building that relationship... And all of a sudden, one day she gets up and she's owie. And I look at her and go, you know, I don't look at her and go, boy, you know, who wants to be around you? No, 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 no. I look at her and go, you know what? She's just having a bad day. She's allowed to do that. There's nothing against me. She's just having a tough day. Why? Because I weigh it against all of the other good in our relationship that I get to experience every single day. Why? Because I know she has my best interest at heart. She's not mad. I mean, she might be mad at me, but she's not going to be mad at me for long because there's too many good things in our relationship. 
You know, I mean, you know, there's too many, there's too, there's too many blessings in it. And it's the same way with God. When you and I in our world have developed a relationship with God, we start to realize how much of this we have. And so when, one, when, when, when a bunch of this comes along, we weigh this against that. And I can trust God that even though this has come and I don't want this and I don't like this and this is not what I had planned, it's all part of this. So the next thing I know, what do I, what do, I do? And this is what happens in a healthy relationship when you're trusting the Lord. This is what Paul says. That's what I want from you. I want you to be able to look at all you've been given. And by the way, this is a guy who's saying this while he's writing it from prison. And you don't even, the only reason you know he's writing it from prison is because we're told in other places. And the whole point of this thing is this is what's happened. And so for some of you, this is why you struggle, because you've never developed that relationship. You just kind of stood at the marriage altar and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Now I'll check in with you when, it, when, when, when I have trouble again. And then when trouble comes, you go, man, I don't know if I can trust God or not. I, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't know. Because, you're, because you don't have that intimacy. And Paul said, that's what I want from you. He said, I want you to develop that kind of a relationship. And that's what it's about. That's why you look at some Christians who are going through tough times and, and, and you know what? They're doing okay. You have to sit down and pull them aside and they'll tell you about this box. I'll tell you this box is not fun. But the reality of it is their focus of their life is this. And that's what Paul is saying to them. Second thing. Paul wants you and Paul wants these people to have a spirit of wisdom and understanding. You see, he just told them that the Holy Spirit will help you understand the Bible. And he just told them that the Holy Spirit is sealed and in you in part of your life. You've got all the Holy Spirit you need. You don't need to like jump through more hoops to get more Holy Spirit. It, it doesn't work like that. You've got everything you need. The question is whether or not you access it. The question is whether or not what you do with it. The question is whether or not you develop that relationship so that you learn more and grow more in it. I have a chainsaw that I've had for a number of years. Now, I use a chainsaw about once every two years. Um, uh, and, and, and when I got the chainsaw, like most people, I didn't pay attention to the instructions. So I would start it like I started every other small engine, you know. You put it on full choke, pull it, 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 and then you go to half choke, and hopefully that works, and then you go to push the button and all. And every time I try to start that thing, I just get more and more frustrated every single time. And I had trouble with it getting it started, and so um, we were doing some stuff over at Josh and Alex's, and I need to get the chainsaw. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get this thing figured out. I don't want to get over there and fight with it all day long like I do every other time. So I spent... A couple days ahead of time, I thought, I'm going to figure this out. So I did what I always do whenever I'm up against something. I went to YouTube. And I said, I typed in my chainsaw. And, and here's what it said. It said, these, 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 these uh, chainsaws have trouble starting. Well, that wasn't news to me. Okay. <clears throat> and then it said basically this. The reason they have trouble starting is because you haven't followed the directions. And come to find out on YouTube. So I watched this thing. And on this particular chainsaw, you have to like prime it. I'm going to get it wrong in the order. You have to prime it like eight times. Then you have to put it on half choke. You pull the, you pull the, the, the thing twice. 
Then you push it in on the full choke and then you pull it once and it should go. So I thought, that can't be that simple. So I get my chainsaw out and dump it out, dump out the old fuel, put in new fuel. And I think, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And oh yeah, and I downloaded the PDF manual on it and I read it. You know what it said? It said the same thing YouTube had told me. <laughs> so I do this. I go, okay, eight, eight. Okay, poop, poop, yeah, poop, poop, poop. This is awesome. And then I looked. There's a sticker on the chainsaw that has this process outlined. Now, for years, I have fought that chainsaw. So I thought, you know what? It can't be that simple. So you know what I did the next day? I thought it ain't going to... Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh, wow. So I get over to Jackson Alex's and I go, okay, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, this is awesome. But I spent all, I spent probably two to three years fighting that stupid chainsaw. Just simply because I didn't access the resources that were available to me. YouTube, a PDF, and a sticker. And you know what? I watch Christians do that all the time. I watch Christians struggle with stuff that, you know what? No offense, but it's YouTube, a PDF, and a sticker. It's not as complicated as you're making it, but the problem is you're trying everything but that. And the reality of it is if you would start where you need to start and say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need help with. God, help me to put this thing together. God, I'm going to read your Bible until I figure this thing out and figure out what I need to do. There are all kinds of resources out there. And some of you are carrying stuff and struggling with stuff that you don't need to be struggling and carrying. And you go, are you telling me it's that simple? It was a sticker. It was that simple. But me, wanting to do it my way, thinking I knew better, because after all, how many of those motors have I, you know, how many weed eaters have I started that way? Thinking I knew better. And I wasn't going to pay attention to it. And I was just going to ignore it. It's kind of simple. And God says, that this is what Paul's writing to his people to help them understand. I've given you all these resources. This is what God's done in your life. This is what Jesus has done in life. This is what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. I want you to be able to access with wisdom and understanding all of those kinds of things. And God will help you put it together. And Paul said, that's my prayer for you. That's my desire for you. And then he ends it by saying the same thing he said now the fourth time in, in 18 verses. I want you to glorify God in your life. I want you to get up every day and say, Lord, I, I, I want to I I glorify you. When you leave today, there's going to be a little table sitting back in front of the um, sound room. And it's going to be, um, and they're all different colors just because I put a bunch of different paper in there. There's one of these on it. Listen to the verse. It's going to be up here. Um, it's from Psalm 119. We talked about this in Sunday school. I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you. Take one of these things and you put it wherever you'll see it every day. In your car, uh, in your mirror, um, somewhere where you'll see it every single day. And here's what it says. Direct me 
in the paths of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Every day, I want to challenge you. God, I want you to be glorified in my life today. Direct my paths. Turn my heart. Turn my eyes away from things that are going to take me away from that. Make that your prayer this week. Watch what God does. And before you know it, it might be like the chainsaw. And all of a sudden you hear that thing running and you're going, I can't believe it was that. Can't believe it worked. Can't believe that followed that. There's a story that Warren Wearsby tells. Um, and I thought it was so fitting to kind of end with this idea of glorifying God and this whole concept that he's talking about. It's a story of William Randolph Hearst. Um, incredibly wealthy person. He had read about an incredibly valuable, expensive piece of art. And he collected a tremendous amount of art over the years. And so he decided he wanted it in his collection. So he got one of his, one of his uh, agents that was with him. He said, I want you to go through all the galleries. I want you to find this piece. I don't care what it costs. I want it. The guy looked for a couple of months. Finally, he met with Mr. Hurst, and he said, well, he said, I found it. And um, he said, great. What's it cost? He said, well, here's the deal. He said, you already own it. He said, it's in one of your warehouses where it's been the whole time. He collected so much art over the years, he didn't even know what he had. Many of you, that's exactly what's happened in your life. You have access to so many things, and you're not even aware of what's there. It's kind of, I, I use the analogy of it's kind of like your cell phone. You go, well, I don't have one of them smartphones. I have one of them flip phones. Well, God bless you, okay? Honestly, okay? But you know what? That flip phone does more stuff than you know what it does. And your smartphone does more stuff than, it, no offense, but it's smarter than you, okay, uh, because of what you have access to. But it doesn't do you any good if you don't access it. All these truths, all of these things that God has given you don't do you any good if you don't access it. You're just like Mr. Hurst. One of the most expensive, valuable paintings in all the world that you want, you already own. You just didn't know it. And for some of you right now, that's exactly where you sit. Some of the things that you're struggling with right now, the answer's already there. You just don't. And I want to challenge you, like Paul challenged these people at Ephesus, look, allow God to work. So I end it this morning with this challenge for the week. Paul starts this section by praying for others, even though his circumstances would really warrant prayer. He wants them to pursue a deep knowledge an understanding of how to glorify God with their lives. God desires and expects the same of us. We are to seek wisdom and understanding so that we trust and are grateful for all of the things that God brings into our lives. And we'll glorify him this week in all we do. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy sometimes to forget that sometimes, Lord, even the most complicated things are simple. Lord, for many who are struggling with stuff, Lord, they really are having a tough time trusting you. 
having a tough time, Lord, looking at the blessings. Because, Lord, they're so, much, they're so focused on all the other stuff. Lord, would you encourage your hearts today? Would you help them to realize, like Paul wanted these people at Ephesus to realize, you have been so good and given them so much. Lord, in spite of our burdens, may we be able to focus on our blessings. In spite of our troubles and difficulties, Lord, may we be able to focus on it. They are opportunities to show your glory. And Lord, as we go throughout this day and this week, may people see Christ in all we do. And when we one day stand before you, may we be able to look back and say we did the best we could to point people to Jesus Christ. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um,